Hi there. I'm Michael Marvash, and this is The Dead Man's Forest, a weekly conversation about existence and meaning and how each of us has unique lessons to share with one another. I want to express today how special it is to be here with you. The conversations that we have with one another, with everyone in our lives, are, are the stuff that our minds are made out of in a very similar way to how the food we eat is the stuff that our bodies are made out of. And so by giving someone the gift of participating in a conversation with them, a real conversation where you say what you really think and you really listen to what they think, you are giving them the gift of becoming who they will be. And that seems pretty special to me. So welcome and thank you for being here. It's November now. It's been a few weeks since I've been up to the mountain and I can see how it's changed. The flowers that I saw along the sides of the road last time, the beautiful yellow flowers showing their fall colors are now brown and they just blend in with the background with the rest of the, the grass and the sage and the plants that have, have all lost their color in preparation for winter. I walked down the trail to my normal place for recording, which is in a stand of kind of young evergreen trees. And on the path, I passed some bushes, some kind of gnarled and twisted, but tall bushes, maybe eight or ten feet above my head, that have all lost their leaves, and so it's just a, a thick bramble of branches and flitting amongst those branches were a bunch of little birds talking and singing to each other. I think you can probably hear them in the background. I hope you can anyway. And then it was a it was a nice feeling to hear that conversation going on around me as I walked by. So I went down to my normal place for recording and found that it was very quiet. The little birds seemed to be I don't know if they're finding food in these or if they just feel safer in them when the weather is colder or maybe it's warmer. Maybe the cold wind doesn't blow them around as much. Whatever the reason, they seem to be gathered here and I liked to hear them. So instead of recording in my normal place, I walked back here. So I do hope that you can hear it because it is something that I would like to share with you. Another effect of the fact that it's been a few weeks since I've been up to the mountain, and in that time I have recorded three conversations, some of which I have shared with you in DMF 2021 and 22, but one of which I have not shared with you, my conversation with Jason. And so, as I like to do in the Dead Man's Forest, I want to continue the conversation over the last few weeks. I want to reference the things that I talked about in DMF-19. The things that Stephen and I talked about in DMF-20. 
and the things that Nancy and I talked about in DMFs 21 and 22. But since you haven't heard the conversation between Jason and I, I need to try to avoid too much referencing the things that came to me out of that conversation. It's an interesting little puzzle, I suppose. The dance of the conversation needs to stay on one part of the floor and and not wander into this other part where I haven't taken you yet. But we will get there. In any case, think back to DMF-19. And a lot of what I talked about there was the beauty of life because of its transience. That was the feeling that was put into me as I was driving up to the mountain and seeing all of the fall colors. But as I was re-listening to that episode, really, the thread that I pulled out of it was about letting go. About how the example I used in that was letting go of that rock. If you If you want to do something in the world, you have to let go of it. If you want to throw a rock or make a piece of artwork or have a child or be in any relationship, all of those things require you to let go of something, to acknowledge the fact that you don't have control over it in the way that perhaps you would want, and that in order to put something out in the world, you have to let go of it. Stephen and I talked about authenticity and being true to how you think you should be and not how you feel like other people think you should be and about how you have the ability to make changes in your life, sometimes drastic changes, in order to accomplish that goal. Nancy and I talked about the importance of play and the messiness that sometimes comes into life and about how fear can prevent us from playing and from doing the things that we feel we need to do to be the people we want to be. So my task today is to weave all of those threads of conversation together and to share with you some of my thoughts on them that I have had between those episodes and this one. It seems to me that, as I said earlier, in order to do, we must let go. Because doing is always putting something out in the world. It's always taking an action, pushing against something, causing something to happen. And those things that happen outside of us, as I said in DMF-19, are controlled by either the forces of nature, gravity, momentum, inertia, resistance, as in my example of of throwing a rock or, or something like that. In the human world, the rules are ones of 
aesthetics and social acceptance and cultural norms and trust all of the the forces that bind us together as human beings and as a society those are then the the forces that determine how your work will be received by the world i just had to pause for a second for a plane to fly overhead and all my bird friends have now left i don't know if those two things are connected but it's very quiet now Anyway, I think that letting go ties very closely into what Nancy was talking about with play and with messiness. When children play, they, they do so unselfconsciously. And when they play, they, they put things out into the world without any recognition or acknowledgement that maybe they don't turn out exactly how they intended. Perhaps it's because children have not yet learned the control they have over the things inside themselves, and even the small measure of control they have over the world outside themselves. They simply roll with what happens. An idea comes to them and they move in that manner, or they imagine that thing to be true, and then when something else happens, a, a perhaps the child they're playing with responds in a way that they didn't anticipate, never even thought about, perhaps. They just roll with it. They just improvise. Because the idea that they might have had some measure of control over that other person's response or that other thing's response has not yet occurred to them. And as they grow older, as they grow into adults like we have, they learn more and more the level of control that they have and that's good that allows us to do amazing things but perhaps it is not good for us to forget too much what we knew as children which was that at some point you have to let go and what happens happens and once it does you're in a new world and you then have the ability to respond to that world as well. So there's a tie-in <laughs> between DMF 19 and 21, 22. But how does my conversation with Steven play into that, into that being true to yourself and doing the things that you feel you need to do and being the person that you feel you need to be? I think it ties in very closely serendipitously enough that none of us would look at a child playing and say that child is performing for someone else or doing what they feel is expected of them instead of just doing what occurs to them. Children are in the same way that they are unselfconscious about the decisions they make in their play. They are unselfconscious about who they are. They don't second-guess themselves. They simply exist and move from one thing to the next and know how to listen to 
the small voices inside them because they haven't yet built up the big voices that all of us have. The ego and the conscience, the planner that's in us all. And again, those are good things. Those are aspects of us as adults. But the child that we were is still in us, still a part of us. Should we not honor that child as well? Our bodies grow larger as we get older. Shouldn't our inner self grow bigger as well? Not that we become something other than a child, but that we become something in addition to a child. We get bigger. We become more complete, more full. And so we have an opportunity to live in that fullness of ourselves. And sometimes we forget how we used to know how to play, how we used to know how to let go, how we used to know and trust who we were deep inside. It occurs to me that as we move through our worlds, perhaps all we're doing is playing or not playing. Perhaps all we're doing is either putting things out into the world, letting go to see what happens, as we do when we play as children, but also as we do when we, for example, enter into a committed relationship. When we talk about letting go in the context of relationships, what is it that we are letting go of? I thought about this, and I think that what we're letting go of is all of the reasons to not do what we've decided to do. To explain that a little bit, I think we're all familiar with the advice that is often given when we're trying to make a difficult decision to make a list of pros and cons. Put down two columns and list all of the reasons not to do the thing in one column, and in the other column, list all the reasons to do the thing. And you can weigh them against each other and use that to make a decision that, that you can be satisfied with. This process never worked very well for me simply because I was always aware of the fact that there had to be reasons to do something or not do something that I wasn't thinking of. When I make a list of something, I like it to be complete. And as I would sit there making these pro and con lists for decisions, I was sure there were reasons that I was not thinking of in exactly the same way as there are ideas that no human has ever thought, and there are truths that we have never encountered. The universe is so much bigger than us. We can't think of all of the reasons. We can't think of every single argument. We can't list exhaustively all of the pros and cons for doing something or not doing something. That idea is absurd to me. But I realized that the point of making that list is not to complete the list. And I realized that when you decide to be done with that list, it still has not helped you make the decision. 
because all reasons are not created equal. And as you sit there staring at your reasons to do something, to not do something, to enter into a relationship with someone, or not to, in the specific example that we're talking about now, eventually you just go with your gut. Reasons be damned. And what you're letting go of when you do that is all of the other reasons. If you choose to enter into a relationship with someone, what you are letting go of is all of the reasons not to, because they can't matter any longer. And if you choose not to enter into a relationship with someone, what you're letting go of is all of the reasons to do so, because they can't matter any longer. And so it seems like letting go could be the method by which we make decisions. When we decide something, truly decide to do it with our whole being, that requires us to let go, to let go of all of the reasons not to make a different choice, because now they're in the past. And that process, that exhaustive process that we do as adults, is exactly what children do effortlessly. They let go. They make the decision and then they move forward. Maybe that's what the last few conversations in the Dead Man's Forest have been teaching me. And that's what I'm reflecting on today. And one further tie-in. That difficulty with letting go, that hesitance that we have of letting go as adults, where does that come from? I think that too was discussed in a recent episode of Dead Man's Forest when Nancy talked about the fear, the fear that we have. I think children have an advantage over us adults in that they have not yet encountered some of the frightening things, many of the frightening things, perhaps all of the frightening things that we have encountered as adults, the things that cause us pain, the things that cause us to feel small and ashamed. The little hurts that we collect both physically as we grow and emotionally as we interact with our friends and family and they say things that perhaps are designed to hurt us, perhaps grow out of the hurt that they have received themselves. And we fear those things, those, those pains that we get from bumping into things, real or imagined, we want to avoid. We're programmed to try to avoid those things. And so we close in on ourselves. We build walls to keep those things out, to keep ourselves safe. And that's what we call growing up. But one thing that I have learned in my life and through my conversations is that as an adult, I can handle a lot more pain than I could handle when I was a kid. And if fear of being hurt prevents me from playing, then I'm not doing. I'm not putting things out into the world. And I'm not, therefore, really living. And so in order to play, in order to do, in order to let go, I have to open myself to pain. And I have to acknowledge that even though it frightens me, 
That's the price. That's the price of living life. Being afraid is the price of living life. And as I have slowly wrestled my fear into submission, I have learned that I have grown big enough to deal with a lot of that pain, to accept it, to embrace it, or to to redirect it, perhaps, into the world around me, which I have learned more and more I am so intimately connected to. And that's another reason why I come out here to the forest, because it's big enough to hold all of the fear and the pain and the sorrow, and also the joy and the love and the beauty that are a part of life. And so perhaps the conversation in the dead man's forest is also in part about learning how to grow up, learning how to get bigger, learning how to become more complete human beings who can embrace our adulthood and our responsibility and our fear and our ability to let go and our ability to do and all of the other things that come with existing the conversation feeds us and slowly over time we become a conversation and just as we would do well to feed ourselves with nourishing food we would do well to feed ourselves with nourishing conversation That seems like a good place to wrap up for today. I feel very grateful for the insights that have come out of the last few weeks. And I'm very grateful, too, to be able to come up to the mountain again, to, to be here in this place which can hold space for me and for you, for this conversation and for the feelings that it produces. In the next few conversations from the Dead Man's Forest, you will hear me talk with Jason a conversation which, as I said, I've already had. You'll hear me talk with Pat and with Joyce, conversations which are also in my future. Thank you for being here. Remember that you belong and that you are special. And of course, as always, if you want to share any of the knowledge and wisdom that you have acquired, over the course of your life, please reach out to me on my website, deadmansforest.org. Have a great week. Bye-bye.